Well, welcome to everybody. Come on, take a seat. We'll begin our time of worship together. Welcome to you all. Welcome to Calvary Grace Church. If you're a visitor here, uh, it's indeed a great pleasure to see you. Um, my name's Gavin Peacock. I'm one of the pastors here. Clint Humphrey is our senior pastor, and he'll be preaching God's word to us a little later on. Um, I'd like to draw your attention before we uh, officially begin our time together um, with just one or two notices, well, a few notices actually, um, upcoming events in this uh, Christmas season. We have a campus outreach um, on December the 16th at 7 o'clock. There's details there in the, in the notices or if you go to uh, online to the, to the Calvary Grace website, you can see details there. Campus Outreach, December the 16th at 7. The children are doing a festival of nine lessons and carols. That's December 17th. That's next Saturday. Yes, next Saturday at 5 o'clock. Always a good thing. Always a good time. Come along to that. Um, we have some Christmas caroling. that's been organized by Kristen Beefer. So email uh, Kristen for that. That's December... 21st at 7 o'clock, so she's getting a, a little posse together, um, meeting at the Festival of, of Lights um, at uh, 6, 6.30 and starting singing by 7 o'clock. So that would be a good time again, a great time to gather together to do something and to be a, a Christian witness in the city. Um, and then we have our Christmas Eve uh, service on uh, December the 24th at 5 o'clock and then, of course, Christmas Day service at uh, 10.45. Um, I just want to also let you know that we have uh, a gospel partners meeting directly after the service next Sunday. And ne uh, next Sunday as well, there's lots of notices today, by the way. Next Sunday as well, we have an elders Q&A in what would be the Sunday school time. So Sunday school time, elders Q&A. You can bombard us with questions or email them in ahead of time. That's the, that's the way to do it. Email your questions to Josh Carey. And then after, we have a, a Gospel Partners meeting. And next Sunday, just be prepared, if you have children, to have them with you uh, in the service. No, uh, no nursery care next Sunday. The other things like uh, men's studies, they're still going on as normal next week. Okay, that's enough for... For notices, uh, to call us to worship, turn to Psalm 67. Psalm 67. Amanda and I have just returned from Africa, uh, from some ministry in Zambia. And it is amazing to see what the Lord is doing uh, amongst all the nations. And, uh, and then coming back here, it's a baptism Sunday we see the great uh, grace of the Lord to us in, as we've seen people getting saved and being baptized and our, our church growing and, and the, and the multi-ethnicity that is a visible display of the saving power of God uh, so that we can really say, let the nations be glad and sing for joy because of God's grace. So Psalm 67, verse 1, I'm going to read verses 1 to 3 pray and then we're going to stand and we're going to respond together in song 
May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let's pray. O gracious God and heavenly Father, we do praise you for being a God of such grace, for blessing us and making your face shine upon us in the good favor that you've shown us through sending your Son, Jesus Christ, the incarnate God-man who lived and died and rose again for our salvation. We gather together in his name today, uh, knowing forgiveness of sin through him alone, and even as a visible display of your saving power among all the nations. We give you praise for that, even amongst this body here that is a visible display. And we, we declare even in our gathering, even in our singing, even as we hear the gospel preached and we respond to that in our hearts, that we would want all the peoples to praise you, O oh God. Let all the peoples praise you because you deserve it. And I pray this morning that our hearts will be thrilled with the gospel and the hope that we can have in the Lord Jesus Christ and that grace and blessing that we know and that would be increased amongst us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together and let's respond in song. Amen, indeed. Joy to the world and let the, the top note of our praise today be joy indeed. Um, as we come to a time in our service of, of confession of, of our sin to the Lord, knowing forgiveness of our sin uh, and, and the removal of the, of the penalty for our sin by the work of Christ, the finished work of Christ on the cross and, and through him alone, we seek as Christians to, re, to re put to death the presence of sin uh, in our hearts and lives and, and who do we go but to the one who, who forgives and gives us the power to do that? Um, so just look in then at Psalm 67, uh, just to read a, a couple of verses, the next, two, uh, the next verse, verse 4. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. God is a judge and he is a judge of righteousness, a righteous judge and, and we want him to be so. We need him to be so. Uh, he is gracious and he is righteous and in his sal salvation that he provides through Jesus Christ, he displays his righteousness. And so God will punish sin. He will punish sin. He's either punished in Jesus Christ or we bear the punishment eternally in hell. And through his grace to us and blessing to us, those of us who have received Jesus as our Lord and Savior, uh, we know that grace and that, pu and that punishment has been taken by Christ, and we have a righteousness provided through Jesus Christ alone. And so we can praise God, and we can declare, let all the peoples praise you, Lord, for being a judge of righteousness, a righteous judge. And so it's to the righteous judge that we can come, confess our sins, and knowing those sins have been dealt with righteously in the Lord Jesus Christ, and we can walk on 
in newness of life and, and the joy of our salvation is restored to us even as he guides us in his ways of righteous living. So let's just have a time of silent confession of our sin in thought and word and deed and then I'll pray and then we'll just have a word of assurance of, of pardon. Gracious God, even as we confess to you now uh, sin in our heart and our lives, sin in our thought patterns, in our speech patterns, in our actions, we can know that you are a God of righteousness who judges righteously and that in the Lord Jesus Christ that sin has been dealt with, has been punished, and that we now know that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What a great freedom that is. What a great joy that is to know that freedom. And so we can come, even as we mourn our sin, we can come to you eagerly to confess that sin and appropriate that forgiveness of sin through our righteous judge. And now we know you, not as a, a God who judges us in terms of punishment, but as a gracious father who loves his children. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, just as a word of assurance of, of that pardon, just read the last two verses there. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. There is a promise of blessing. He shall bless us. And it refers us back to the first uh, line in the psalm. May God be gracious to us and bless us. It's, it's his character to be gracious to those who will fear him and come to him in repentance and faith. And so there is our assurance. Uh, we know as we come to him, he, it's his nature to be gracious to us. So that's just a great assurance of our, our pardon as we walk on in newness of life together. Um, just as uh, I finish my part here, um, we just have every week, um, we, we just read out part of our uh, confessional statements. I've chosen from the, the Calvary Grace Church um, Congregational Confession of Faith, number 12, Christian Conduct. And it says this, this is what we believe here as a church. We believe that a, a Christian should live for the glory of God and the well-being of his fellow men, and that his conduct should be blameless before the world, that he should be a faithful steward of his possessions, and that he should seek to realize for himself and others the full stature of maturity in Christ. What a great purpose we live for as Christians here at Calvary Grace Church. Well, we're going to stand once more, and we're going to sing together, and then Pastor Clint will come and preach God's Word to us. Please turn in your Bibles to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 11. I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 10 of Isaiah chapter 11. It's in the blue pew Bibles, page 575, I believe. Isaiah chapter 11. Remarkably, this is the very Word of God that we can read together. Isaiah 11, verse 1. This is God's Word. 
There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, And the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples, of him shall the nations inquire and his resting place shall be glorious. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Would you pray with me now? Holy triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we praise you this morning. We thank you for even the gift of your word. We thank you even that we can resound in our praises to you, for you are worthy to be praised. You are the high and holy God. We thank you that we can be here and that we can honor you in the ways that you ought to be honored. Holy Father, I pray that you would help us today as we seek to honor your Son, Jesus Christ, by the Spirit. We pray that you would bless this service, even as later on we hear the testimonies of those who have been saved from darkness and brought into light, those who have been brought from damnation to salvation, those who then are going to testify to your work in their lives, even as they have become believers in Jesus Christ, your Son, and have been baptized with the Holy Spirit, and so are professing their faith in Christ and going to then go through the waters of baptism to testify that they belong to you. We praise you for this wonderful event. And Lord, we also thank you for the ways that you have been ministering in this church, for the ways that you have been stirring us and sanctifying us. You've been exposing our sin and helping us then to find forgiveness of our sins in Christ. And I pray, Lord, that today many would have even their guilt and their fear and their anxiety cast away as they enjoy the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, forgiveness for their sins. 
Lord, we do thank you for the various ways that you have used this church to want to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we thank you for our daughter church, as it were, our sister church in Cochrane, Grace Cochrane Church. We pray your hand would be upon that congregation, many of the people there that we know and love. We pray, Lord, that you would stir them and protect them and help them to grow in unity. We pray for Jared Harfield as he preaches there this morning. We pray that you would give him unction, even from your spirit. We thank you for the advance of the gospel throughout the world. We thank you for the witness of churches in the continent of Africa. We think specifically of the church in Zambia, where Pastor Gavin and his wife Amanda were just uh, ministering there. And we just pray for those churches. Pray as well for the work of the gospel in the Middle East, as we think about uh, even the World Cup in Qatar. And Lord, we just pray for Christians to bear witness there, even in a very difficult, closed country, as it were, but nothing is closed to you. We pray for the advance of the gospel in Saudi Arabia. We pray for many to come to faith in Christ, those, those folks who are seeking to know Jesus Christ, the true God that they would submit to him. We thank you for those who are bearing faithful witness in that country. Or in the United Arab Emirates, Lord, and those different churches that we know about in Dubai and Abu Dhabi and all of these wonderful, great, solid Christian churches in those cities. We pray that through even that Muslim country, the gospel would go forth through those great churches, even not just to the Middle East, but beyond. And we thank you, Lord, that you have not left yourself without witness here in this country. And so we do pray for our leaders, for Justin Trudeau, that he would lead our country in such a way as Prime Minister, that he would support and promote the good work of the gospel. Lord, we pray that there would be conditions provided in our land that would allow for the flourishing of Christian faith. We pray as well for Daniel Smith. We ask that you would cause her to turn from her sins and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. We ask even for our Mayor Jody Gondek that she would be one who would see that there is a, a good blessing to be had in promoting even a space so that the gospel can flourish in this, in this city. Lord, we are very privileged to be able to have your word and to be able to hear the gospel. And as we consider your word and all the ways that you have shown us in many ways at many times, all these different types and, and symbols and all of these prophecies, we thank you, Lord, that you have provided your yes and amen in Jesus Christ, your Son. And I pray now, Lord, as we consider your word, you would draw us to Christ, draw us by the Spirit, and glorify your own name, Heavenly Father. For we pray this in the name of your Son. Amen. You may be seated. Well, it's good to be back with you this Sunday. My wife and I were in Cochrane preaching at 
I was preaching at Grace Cochran last Sunday, and nice to see those folks. Uh, but it's good to be back. Uh, some of you know, uh, you've been following just some of my personal endeavors that I've been involved with, and you know that I'm, I'm attempting to work on a Ph.D., uh, and if you know anything about my progress, you know it's going very slowly. Very, very slowly. But my field of study is Christian history. And as I've thought about history, it, it's just made me think a lot about how through the course of history, empires rise and they fall. And of course, they rise and fall at God's hand. Um, you can see in history how there'll be a lineage, for example, in a royal family that will, that will thrive and, and go for a long time, and then, and then suddenly it's over. It'll end. We all know about Queen Elizabeth's recent passing. Imagine how different history might have been if her uncle had not abdicated the throne and brought her dad, and then her into the lineage to be the heir to the throne. And so the question I, I want us to begin with, it's kind of the title of my sermon, is what happens when you come to the end of the line? Now, we can apply that in many different ways, not just the end of your, your biological lineage, but, but the end of the line the end of a, of a friendship, or the end of maybe a sort of a golden age in your life, the end of a contract, some of you concerned about your employment, maybe the end of, of some of the good times, even at the end of a celebration. And so you might be here this morning, and, and that's actually right where you're at. You're actually at the end of your rope and the end of your hope. You're struggling. You're wondering whether or not things can ever get better. Will they only be worse? And if that's the case, then I would say that this, this as it were, this Christmas prophecy, which in a sense all the prophecies in the Old Testament are Christmas prophecies, then it's for you. I think there's many of us who are worried about the end of your finances or you're concerned about uh, the, the end of a marriage or the end of your health, or as we look out and worry about the end of our country, maybe the end of your legacy, something that is happening that you feel that you're coming to the end, then this prophecy is for you. And, and there might be some of you that things are going along just swimmingly. It's going really good. You know, you're not having those bad times. You're having good times. But you know what it's like to be fearful of the future too. And I just want to stress, if you're here today and you're feeling that, that hopelessness or feeling that you've come to the end of the line in some respect, that there's hope for you in God's Word. And when I'm talking about the end of the line, one of the most bleak images in all the Old Testament is the picture in verse 1 of Isaiah chapter 11. It is a very bleak image picture set in a very hopeful context but it is a bleak image and it is the image of the stump of Jesse the stump of Jesse this is the bad news first the stump of Jesse is not a hopeful picture 
When you chop a tree down, then what do you, what do you have to do? You've got to go to Home Depot, and then you've got to rent a stump grinder. If you ever rented a stump grinder, you, then you, you, you take the stump down, you know, after you've chainsawed the tree down, you take it down to the level of the dirt. And then all that's left of the tree is, that's it. It's just the dirt there. There's no fruit. There's no shade. There's no beauty. There's no life. It's over. In, in my driveway, there's a little square in the, in the concrete, in the driveway. There's a square there. And that, there used to be a tree there. And the tree was there, and they poured the concrete around the tree and made a nice square around the tree. But then the tree, the tree blew over, and they ground up the stump. And now all that's left is that square in the concrete, and I drive over it all the time. I probably should drive around it, but I drive over it because that's how I drive. All that's left is the memory. And even, you know, the kids when they're little, they, you know, why is this square here? What's it doing? And, and so, when we come to the first century in Judea, our Christmas story, when you think about Mary and Joseph, they are not pictures of power and potential. They don't live like royalty. They don't look like royalty. Right? You know, they're not looking very special when you think about Mary and Joseph because there is not much hope at the end of the line of David. There's only the memory of David as the hope of Israel. You know, Mary and Joseph, we don't hear of them riding beautiful horses on their way down to Bethlehem. You know, Mary rides a donkey. Oh wait, that's not in the Bible. Just to throw one of those in. Right? It's actually, her riding the donkey is not in the Bible. Well, where does it come from? Well, actually, I mean, this is an aside, but it's called the Proto-Evangelium of James, and it's from the second century. It's much later, and he, whoever this anonymous author is, he writes all this stuff about what all of Mary's experiences, and that's where you get the donkey. Okay? So, but don't be too hard on anybody in the Christmas pageant. I don't think we're going to have a donkey in ours you know, but don't, 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 don't be too hard and say, oh, well, get that out of there. But nevertheless, all these things around Christmas, there's lots of accoutrements that kind of pile up and they aren't necessarily what the scriptures say. You know, in Luke chapter 2 and verse 4, it says, Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Why? Because he was of the house of and lineage of David. But by that time, let me tell you, there was barely any house and lineage left. David's dad was Jesse, and Jesse's line was petering out. So then in Isaiah 11, there is then this stump of Jesse that was promised It was promised it would be chopped down. It was promised that it would be brought nearly to nothing. That's the bleak image. But it says there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, 
There will come forth that shoot. There will be new life. You know, this lineage of new life would matter. This lineage is the reason why we have the genealogies in the New Testament. Did you ever wonder that? Maybe you're not familiar with the Bible enough to know, but why in Matthew chapter 1 and why in Luke chapter 3 are there these long lists of genealogies? Well, it's to show where are these lineages? Where are they? In Matthew chapter 1 and verse 14 and 15, the trail goes pretty dark. It's a, it, there's reference to people that we don't know who they are. They're supposed to be in the line of David, and we just don't know who these people are. Obscure people. It's the end of the line of David's lineage. Luke 3 shows a lineage through Mary that actually bypasses the kings who succeeded David and, came, and comes through David's son named Nathan. That's in Luke 3, 31. So the Bible is concerned with honest history. The God of the Bible is concerned with your history, I would say. I mean, that's what we're going to hear even when we hear these testimonies. We're going to have just a little snapshot of the people, the baptismal candidates, giving their personal history and what God did invading their history. We'll just get a glimpse of that. But God has placed us at a time and in an age when he says, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive the adoption as sons. That's what Paul says in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4. So if you're a Christian believer today, you have two lineages. There has been sprung up two lineages. Your natural lineage, you know, evidence from your last name and your mother's last name, and then your spiritual lineage. You know, who is the one who shared the gospel with you? Where is the church where you first heard the gospel? Where is, who are the people then that shared with you about Jesus Christ? That's a spiritual lineage. Spiritual mothers and fathers. Spiritual brothers and sisters. As the scripture says, remember, remember your leaders. Those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. That's Hebrews 13, 7. That's a spiritual lineage. But the first thing to see in this Isaiah prophecy in chapter 11 is that the line of David, the line of Jesse, the line of Obed, the line of Boaz, you remember the book of Ruth, that line was predicted to be cut off, to be chopped down. The Messiah's line would be chopped down. But this is also where we see that God chooses unlikely people and unlikely places and unlikely things to show His glory. When I look out amongst you, now I'd like to say you're all wonderful people, but I'd also probably say, and I've said it many times, we're all a bunch of weird ducks, right? 
really. If we get into it, we're actually quite unlikely. It's unlikely that that we would be the candidates by which God would show His undeserved favor. Why would He show favor to us? So unlikely. And yet that is the business that God is in because then He says, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse. That's in that unlikely place. The stump, it's over. There'll be this new life. The KJV, the word it uses for the shoot from the stump of Jesse, the shoot, the KJV calls it, the King James Version, the English translation, calls it a rod. A rod. The Hebrew word is netzer. Netzer. And the medieval church called it a rood. And so... It's just the idea of a branch or a shoot springing up with new life. And, and the emphasis then is on its germination and its determination. That it's just pushing up, germinating and growing and keeping going. Now in medieval times, the legend sprang up that, that it, where you had this wood, this 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 wood from the tree of life, and it was recycled and reused in various biblical stories, and ultimately then that same wood was supposed to be used in making Jesus' cross. And this was called the legend of the rood. Uh, and you'd have to be kind of a, a nerdy medievalist to kind of know about this. But at the Reformation, the time of the Reformation, the rood in the crucifix in Roman Catholic churches was venerated and, and it was worshipped like a totem or like a magic relic. And so a lot of the Protestant guys, they got rid of the holy rood. And you've actually heard of churches maybe over in the UK, the, they're called holy rood churches. That's where it's coming from. So this isn't about then a literal stick being reused and recycled. This is a biblical image, a type, a typology here. And it is the shoot or the rod of Jesse. We sing, we try not to overdo singing, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, because we could sing it every Sunday, couldn't we? But you know, you know the line in O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. O come thou rod of Jesse, free. Thine own from Satan's tyranny, who is the rod of Jesse. Well, it's, it's referring back to Isaiah 11. The rod of Jesse. This sprout, this, this, this sprout, this shoot that's coming up out of the stump of David's lineage. The suffering servant that we know is a messianic prophecy fulfilled by Jesus Christ the suffering servant in Isaiah 53, is also called this root out of dry ground. So this new life, this sprout that brings new life from a very unlikely place, from dry ground, from a stump. Later on in the New Testament, 
Jesus Christ speaks of himself and describes himself in John 15, as he says in verse 1, he says, I am the true vine. Talk about this, this shoot, this branch that has grown up into then a full vine. He says, I am the true vine and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Jesus is the true vine. If you're a Christian believer here, you have been engrafted into this shoot. Now it's true enough that through Christ's cross, Jesus dying on the cross, it's not the literal wood of the cross, but the event of Christ's atoning death, through that symbol, Christ's death is this new tree of life for all who believe. We know, Paul says in Galatians 3.13, he says, Christ, he says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written what? Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So it is actually through Christ dying that this sprout of new life, this, this new vigor comes. And so, then this language in the second half of Isaiah 11.1, 1, this language of the branch is used then throughout the Bible. It says, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. The branch becomes a, a messianic title. It becomes a, a reference to this promised anointed one. And so earlier in chapter 4, this branch is referenced in, in Isaiah. Uh, the later prophet Zechariah says in Zechariah 6.12, he says, Behold, the man whose name is the branch, for he shall branch out from his place, and he shall build the temple of the Lord. So, the rood is not a spelling mistake. It's the rod or the shoot of Jesse. This messianic branch that is branching out, starting as his own kingdom is like a mustard seed, but then spreading out to become a tree in which that provides shade and the birds can rest in, even as Jesus taught the parable of the mustard seed. So at the end of the line, God promised to bring new life, new hope to those who had no hope left. And only, only as God cuts us down, only as He cuts us down can we look to Him to bring new spiritual life to our hearts. See, the reason why some of you refuse to follow Christ is that you're resisting being cut down to size. You resist God bringing the axe to you and you won't trust Him to actually cause new life, a new sprout to spring up even from the dirt of your old life. Now maybe, maybe you are flourishing right now. That could be the case. Um, you might be things going 
good, but is your flourishing directly connected to the germination and determination and the vigor of Jesus Christ? That's, that's the other question. You know, oh, my life is quite prosperous and healthy and wealthy. Well, actually, are you actually seeing that everything is connected to Christ? Or is Jesus kind of over on the side here somewhere? And then you, you actually then are using the flesh to promote these other flourishing means, so-called. Just watch out, because God will cut you down. But if you can see that there's good things in your life, you're counting your blessings, you're having gratitude for the goodness of God in the land of the living, then, then you will praise God for the shoot that come from the stump of Jesse. That's the, that's the rod or the root, if you would. But now what about the root? Because we're told that the origin of this shoot is the stump of Jesse and his roots. Now, we take this rightly, that the Messiah is going to come from the lineage of David. That's kind of the point I've been making. But just jump down to Isaiah 11, verse 10. Jump down to verse 10. It says in verse 10, it says, In that day, the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples, of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. You see, there is another sense in which not only is coming from Jesse's roots, but there is also a sense in which there is a root from which Jesse comes. In other words, there is a root that is prior to Jesse. The passage in verse 10, prior to that, is talking about all the messianic blessings. All the messianic blessings from verses 3 down through verse 9. All these messianic blessings that he brings with his kingdom. And he's actually speaking of all of these things that there is then this other sense in which the root is prior to Jesse. It's all of this that comes, what comes after in David's line. Verse, verse 10 is saying that the same Messiah who comes from David also come, came before David. He comes from David, but he came before David, before Jesse. He is necessarily prior to Jesse. I don't know if you're catching that. He is then the, the root of Jesse, out of which Jesse is created. It's like saying, it's like Jesus saying in John 8, 58, Before Abraham was, I am. In the genealogy of Matthew, Jesus is both the son of Abraham and the son of David. But he is the root of both of them. He is before them. He is before all creation. Paul says in Colossians 1.27, he says, He is before all things. And in Him, all things hold together. So he is both the root before Jesse and he is the shoot coming from Jesse. 
He is both of these at the same time. In other words, in this prophecy, there is both the human and the divine. That is what we speak of when we talk of the incarnation. When we speak of God taking on flesh, even in the virgin conception. The Son of David and the Son of God are in this prophecy. It's the same Messiah. And what's amazing is that this prophecy was given seven centuries beforehand and it was fulfilled in that virgin conception of Mary. As Jesus then said in the book of Revelation about himself, Revelation twenty-two sixteen, he said, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. He's both. He's before and after. But I want you to see who is this Messiah and who would he be from this prophecy, since it's going to connect them with what we're celebrating today in the waters of baptism. Because this branch, who is both the rod and the root, is distinguished by having the Holy Spirit. Read it there in chapter 11, verse 2. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding. The Spirit of counsel and might. The Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Imagine that. The Messiah is going to have the Spirit on him. That is actually what the word Messiah means. Anytime in the Old Testament it refers to the Messiah, it is the Mashiach, the anointed one in Hebrew. He's anointed by the Spirit. And the Spirit comes upon the Messiah. Remember, even the virgin conception, we talked about it a couple of Sundays ago, or I did, in Luke 1.35, in the announcement to Mary. You know, Mary's like, how does this, how does this work? Uh, how is this going to happen? And we're, she's told, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, Luke 1.35, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy the Son of God, because it's the Spirit coming upon her. Later, in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 16, when Jesus himself was baptized, this is connecting us to baptism, when Jesus was baptized, the Holy Spirit came upon him like a dove. And there was the announcement from God the Father saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So there's the work of the Spirit even early in Jesus' ministry. Later, Jesus said in John 7, 37, He said, if anyone, anyone thirsts, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scriptures has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And John comments and explains to us that he was referring to the Spirit. The idea that the Spirit comes upon you and the Spirit fills you and causes you to flow with new life. Jesus said then in John 16, 
speaking of the Holy Spirit. He says in verse 13 of John 16, he says, When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. Why? For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever he, he, whatever he hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. And then He says this. Jesus, this is Jesus speaking. He will glorify Me, for He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said, He will take what is mine and declare it to you. We are told in Isaiah 11, then, of all that Jesus has. All the branch has. He has the Spirit. And so all of these characteristics rest the Spirit resting upon Him. The Spirit giving wisdom and understanding and counsel and might and knowledge and the fear of the Lord. All of these things, these characteristics from the Spirit that Christ Himself had, all of those characteristics then are given to you if you're a Christian believer. They're put upon you by the Spirit if you believe in Him because Jesus has this Isaiah 11 Spirit and the Spirit takes Jesus' character and pours it out upon you. That's why, if you're a Christian believer, you're a saint. You say, oh, I'm not a saint. That's, well, to say you're not a saint, that's a Roman Catholic way of thinking. Because Roman Catholics say, well, the super-duper ones, they're the saints, and the supposed regular Christians, well, they're not. Only these super-duper ones are saints. No, no. The Bible says that all those who believe are saints. And why? Because you are sanctified. You have been given the Spirit, even the, even the Spirit that was upon the branch, even the Spirit that is on the rod of Jesse, even the Spirit that is on Jesus Christ. That Spirit then is given to you. So wisdom and understanding, counsel and might, knowledge and the fear of the Lord, these things are given to the believer. They are, they are the Father's gift poured out on the Son by the Spirit and shared with a simple Christian. A simple Christian like you. A simple Christian like me. What, what a privilege. It's amazing. You know, it it's kind of comes in with the baptism stuff because people will say, yeah, okay, well, yeah, I believe in Jesus, but... Wow, baptism, that's for really serious people. Or they say, oh yeah, I believe in Jesus, but you know, to be a member of the church, well, you've got to be really committed then. You've you got to be re- way up here. And no, a, you're just a Christian. You've got the Spirit. What a privilege. You, you have the Spirit of Christ. You're united to Christ. You're adopted by the Father. What, what more privilege do you need? You already have it. You belong. Sometimes we actually don't believe all the privileges what we have. Paul basically says this in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 6. He says, because you are sons, there's Christian believers who are, have this sonship, he says, because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his, of his son 
into our hearts, crying, what does he cry? Abba, Father. When you pray like that, it's because the Spirit is causing you to pray in that way. Paul says, so you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. What a privilege. This is what is going on in extending the lineage that was pretty much chopped down. Is that it is flourishing and flowing and full of life and full of inheritance and full of legacy. This gift of the Spirit is for those who believe. And it's intended to confirm the promises. It confirms the promises, as it says in Romans 15.8. And the intention is confirming those promises in order that the Gentiles, that is the nations, might glorify God for His mercy. All these promises given, all these hopeless Gentiles, probably almost everybody here, unless you're from a Jewish background, almost all of us here are Gentiles without hope. Without hope. No hope of salvation. And yet God made promises so that Gentiles like us could have hope. We were hopeless. We could have hope because God confirmed these promises. And then in Romans 15, Paul quotes from from Isaiah 11.10, from our passage. And he says, The root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles hope. That's what we're looking for, is the lordship of the rod of Jesse, the root of Jesse. We're looking for his lordship over Gentiles like us. That's what this church is here for. We profess, we proclaim, we testify to the lordship of the rod of Jesse. That's who we testified to. We are submitting under his rule and reign. This is what we're doing when people are celebrating in the waters of baptism. Because God has provided hope for the hopeless. Hopeless folks like us. Hope for outsiders. Hope for those who are at the end of the line. Hope for Gentiles. Hope for the nations. Even as Gavin was reading from Psalm 67, just this idea of of the nations And their their gladness, their joy at the prospect of a means of salvation for them, those who are outside of Israel. And it's through the root and the shoot of Jesse, the branch who has the Spirit and gives the Spirit. Now in this passage, there there is a bit of a conundrum though. There is a question, and if you're familiar with this section at all, you, you, are, you feel this tension. Because you've got to ask the question, well, you know, has, if this is fulfilled in Jesus, if we're assuming that, has Jesus struck the earth with the rod of his mouth, verse 4? With the breath of his lips, has he killed the wicked? Or, verse 6, are the wolf and the lamb lying, dwelling together? Is the leopard lying down with a young goat? Or 
if you, you know all the mothers out there as you were listening me hearing me read it the nursing child shall play over the hole of a cobra you know better call the authorities on that one um I mean, we don't even let children play by themselves in the playground, let alone, you know, have them have their hands over the hole of the cobra. You know, the weaned child putting his hand in the adder's den, the poisonous snake's den. So, so we see that the New Testament reckons with this being fulfilled in Jesus Christ, but there are elements of this that we do not see. The curse has not been reversed. Russia is still at war with Ukraine. There is still child trafficking in Calgary. There is wickedness galore. There is the curse expressed. There is sin in our own lives. But when people believe in Jesus Christ, they confess that Jesus is Lord and they await His second coming. His second coming when he will make all the sadness come untrue. He will right all the wrongs. He will bring peace under his universal rule, applying this just judgment, this righteous judgment. It was alluded to in Psalm 67, as Gavin read, this just judgment that is an expression of the righteousness that shall be the belt of his waist, the faithfulness, the belt of his loins. That will be applied to all people. And there will be the judgment of the wicked and the vindication of the righteous. So this is the tension, isn't it? That was the surprise of Christ's coming to fulfill the messianic promises. He is the Messiah, but He has come in this already and not yet. And we live in the tensions of it. We live in the in-between, but we submit to the true Lord. We submit to the rod of Jesse. We follow him. And so I close by just putting this again to the hopeless here. Or the maybe you're not hopeless, but you're just down. You're feeling cut down. Something's feeling cut down. And you're, you're just feeling like there's a little hope for you. little hope for you in all the things that plague you and you struggle with, you need to remember this prophecy. Because when you see that God will cut you down, just like these folks that are going to come up here and testify, when you see that God is willing to cut you down, that what you do you give up on your own pursuit of power and your own pursuit of glory and your own pursuit of legacy. You give up on those things. You give up and you relinquish it to the Lord. And so folks like the ones who are going to testify, they submit to Jesus who is that root out of dry ground. He's the new shoot who gives life. And baptism is that symbolic expression of the inward reality of an old life that has been chopped down but new life emerging by the Spirit. New life emerging as someone is engrafted into Jesus Christ, the true vine. Engrafted into His life, death, burial, and resurrection. Even, even as it were, dying with Him, being buried with Christ in order to be raised to walk in newness of life, as Paul says in Romans chapter 6. 
And so we celebrate in hope. We celebrate in that kind of hope. Hope for the hopeless. That's what this church is for. It is a church that is offering hope for the hopeless. This is not for the beautiful people who have it all together. This is just this is hope for the hopeless. Hope for those who are at the end of the line. And so for each of you here, especially if you don't know this hope, you are invited to it today. You're, you're actually summoned to join in this joy, to join in the joy of this hope. So you repent, you forsake the old, and you embrace newness of life in Jesus Christ. That's what you're called to. And with that, I just want to urge you, don't wait for God to cut you down. Forsake the old and put your faith in Jesus Christ, even the rod of Jesse. Do so today. Let's pray together. Holy Father, I ask that you would cause many, many young people, young people have been growing up in the church who... Uh, think that just because their parents are solid Christians, that automatically makes them so. I pray that they would forsake their own self-trust and that they would trust you exclusively. I pray for people who have been in churches for many, many years and yet have not forsaken their own self-improvement, self-growth, self-determination, Lord, I pray that you would cut them down to size and that they would simply trust you, trusting you to cause new miraculous growth in their life, even to save them. Lord, I pray that you would expose hypocrisy today, but you would also encourage us with the sincerity of people confessing their faith and seeking to be baptized to show their declaration of allegiance to Jesus Christ as their King. We pray this in his name. Amen. Please stand as we sing together. Is this mic working? Yeah, there we go. Good. We're just going to have the different candidates come up and share. Just going to read a quick text here before we hear from Mark, Joshua, Janae, Queenie, and Chang. Romans chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. I'm going to, I guess, I see Queenie is here. She's, she's right here first, so I'm going to ask her if Queenie would come and share her testimony with us. Um, good morning, everyone. I'm Queenie Salilig. Um, I'm a Filipino, so please be patient with my English. And um, I'm a bit nervous, so forgive if my paper is shaking. <laughs> I am, I don't want to be emotional, I'm sorry. I am from the Philippines, and my former church was charismatic. It taught semi-Pelagianism, and my brother is the pastor. 
One of the teachings of my brother is not to date when choosing a potential spouse. As a result, I didn't really know. I didn't really know, I'm sorry. I didn't really know much about whom I married with. I had many questions in Christianity, and most of the teachings I heard didn't suffice my longing for answers. I described myself that time, that time as someone groping in the darkness, longing for light. I was desperate to know the truth and was listening to different sermons in the internet, even the prosperity gospel preachers. I was really broken and seeking until I accidentally found a YouTube thumbnail of a preacher that looks old-fashioned and unattractive. <clears throat> but the title was Captivating, Recreational Dating. So I opened it. It was God's providence. It wasn't an accident. Since then, I was hooked to Paul Washer's preaching and all the preachers he mentioned I also followed. John Piper, Spurgeon, R.C. Sproul, etc. Darkness was gone. The emptiness satisfied. Questions answered. My heart was strangely warmed. And I began to desire for more of God and hate my sins so much. Now I'm here in this foreign country, separated from my husband and away from all my family and friends. And I'm crying out to the Lord every day for comfort, healing, joy, provision, and endurance. For a long time, I was afraid of my brother because I followed a reform teaching. I am afraid of getting baptized in water later. And the enemy really discouraged me to get baptized and be a member of this church, especially this week, just before the schedule of water baptism and the welcoming of new members. But by God's mercy and strength, I am here. I will publicly declare that I belong to Christ, specifically with the Reformed teaching. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value, knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ, Philippians 3.8. Thank you. Hello, uh, my name is Mark Goosen, and this is my testimony. Uh, I grew up in a Christian household. I have two loving parents who love God, and I am the youngest of three three kids. I was taught God, the, uh, taught about God and the immense love He has for me, and I accepted Jesus into my heart to be my Lord and Savior. 
sorry. In grade eight, after a youth retreat, I made the decision to get baptized. Even though I did not truly understand what it meant for me and my relationship with Jesus. I went into the water and thought he... I went into the water and thought I had been baptized. I thought I believed in Jesus, his sacrifice on the cross for me, and his resurrection. Despite what I thought, my heart was still hardened to Christ. As I went through my high school years, I felt more and more angry towards God, like I was owed an easy life. And felt like God had cheated me. By not giving me what I wanted. Right around. Right around graduation is when I felt the lowest. I lost my friends. I was cold towards my family. I was cold towards my family and confused why God gave me such an empty life. I wanted change. I wanted to I wanted to know why things were the way they were. I started to want to know I started to want to know who God truly is. <sighs> Ephesians 2, 4 to 5 says, but, be, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when, <sighs> even when we were dead in our trespasses, it is by, God, by, it is by grace we have been saved. I decided to go to Bible college, taking a one-year program focusing on discipleship, and found that my understanding of who God is was lacking. By God's grace, he humbled me, softened my heart, and showed me that he never stopped loving me through those dark times of my life. I felt him asking me to trust him with my life. Through that, through that experience in Bible college and a renewed view of God, I decided to give everything to him, trusting that he had a better plan for my life and the one that would and one that would glorify him. He has blessed me with a fulfilling career, a deep love for my family, a deep love for my family, and a wife that points me back to God when I feel the walls closing in. I've decided to get baptized today because I believe for the first time in my life I can say I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in his divinity, his sacrifice on the cross, and his resurrection. I believe that as Christians we are called to be disciples of Christ, being baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, as stated in the Great Commission. 
This is my act of obedience and a public declaration of my faith in Jesus Christ. That without him I was lost and without meaning. I wish to live I wish to live a life that glorifies God in everything I do. Luke eleven twenty eight says but he said, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Thank you. Hello, hello. Hey, hello, my name is Joshua Evangelista, and I've been attending Calvary Grace since the summer of 2021. I'm here today to share my story and my walk with God. First, I am thankful that my parents had become Christians the year before I was born. They would teach me about the Bible and do devotions with me. When growing up, I made a lot of sinful decisions as a child, and I did not honor my mother and father. I would lie, and I would always put myself before God. I didn't really know God, I just knew about him. As a child, I attended a children's program named Awana in Ontario, so it stands for Approved Workmen Are Not Ashamed, and one night there, when I was eight years old, I heard a message that was life-changing. The leader had told us the story of Jesus, which I had already heard multiple times, but there was something different about this time. I had always heard the stories of Jesus and the miracles he did, but I had never really repented to him and realized the wrong in my life. The leader asked us who would like to pray to accept Jesus, and I volunteered because I felt called by the Holy Spirit. It felt different than simply ag- apologizing to the person I had sinned against, and, but it felt like a huge weight had been lifted off of me. I acknowledged that Jesus was sent to die on the cross for my sins, and I wanted to live for him and only him. After this, I continued to going to Sunday school at church, and I started attending a Christian school. I started to see a small change in my life, and I found myself becoming closer to God, and I would follow a devotions book. I would spend every summer at a Christian campground named Muskoka Bible Center, where I was able to learn even more about God whilst being surrounded by a Christian community. As I grew up, I was slowly drifting away from God. There were many distractions, and I hadn't put much time into being with God, besides prayers at mealtimes. Church every Sunday would be a reminder to me to be with God, and youth on Tuesdays would give me wisdom to get through the week. I also attended a Christian high school, and there were still challenges there. There were people who weren't Christians. Uh, There were people who weren't Christians there, and I was always involved with them because of classes. I tried to serve others and avoid those who weren't a good influence. I didn't approach them because I was afraid that I would be tempted to be like them. But God gives a command to love your neighbors. And now I want to approach them and evangelize them. Now in university, I am in a completely new environment that I am not accustomed to. And will face lots of difficult trials. But now, I now understand that you can't avoid them, but you can change the way you respond to them with the help of the Holy Spirit. I want to stand up for what I believe in and be unashamed of the gospel. Joshua 1 verse 9 is a verse that I always think of. It reads, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. My parents always told me this, and it is the first verse that I had memorized. I always think of it when I need encouragement. It is a reminder to me that I am never alone, and the Lord will always be with me and help me to make the right decisions. I need prayer to be in God's word and grow in my relationship with him because it's difficult. I also want to bring God glory in everything I, that I do, and I want to obey him and his commands. And that's why I want to get baptized today.
We're good. Okay. Hey, how are you guys doing? Uh, my name is Chang Wu. Um, I want to say, let's see. So I grew up in a traditional Chinese household. Uh, so we worshipped our ancestors, and our religions were mostly comprised of uh, Confucianism, Taoism, and Chinese folklore. So in my early twenties, uh, I was okay. Uh, in my early 20s, I was agnostic. I believed in a being, but not knowing uh, who and what it was. Um, during that time, uh, I developed anxiety and depression. If you have any questions, you could ask me about that detail afterwards. Um, I tried everything to overcome it, but nothing worked. Um, so God really stepped into my life when my friend Nathan uh, convinced me to attend his Bible study. It took him four years to convince me. Uh, from then on, I grew fond of learning uh, about the Bible. Afterwards, I was introduced to Calvary Grace, where I learned how deep sin is. Uh, I could truly say I became a Christian when I learned about my friend's uh, brother passing away. Uh, God pressed upon my heart to share the gospel with him because I was convicted uh, that the gospel is true. I believe that for us to live, is to believe in Christ, that he came and died for us. Because we were born sinners, we can have our sin forgiven through Christ. From then on, my desire to understand the Bible more is helping me be closer to God. I'm grateful to our Lord and Savior Jesus for giving us his life to us, so that one day we will be out of this sinful body and into our sinless body with Christ. Uh, I want to read Romans six one to four again what shall we say then are we to continue in sin that grace may abound by no means how can we die to sin still live in it do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into christ jesus were baptized into his death we were bur buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, that uh, we too might walk in newness of life. So I want to declare today to my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ and the world that I am putting my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and I want to follow him in obedience by being baptized today. My name is Janae Dick, uh, and I'm beyond excited to be here today. My story is a variety of all-time lows and roller coaster highs, but ultimately it's a daily journey with the Lord to glorify Him in everything that I say and I do, and to be evidence of His blessings that He has poured into my life. I have witnessed the Lord work in my life in ways I cannot always comprehend. He has stood by me and has helped me learn the wisdom in his words and the comfort in trusting him. While I was in a previous abusive marriage, I contemplated my point of life on earth, and one night I fell on my knees completely surrendering all that I was and am to him and his will. I knew in that moment that I was incapable of doing anything, that my works were nothing, and a Bible verse that really reached out to me was uh, from Isaiah 64, verse 6. All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and the wind, and like the wind, 
our sins sweep us away. I ask the Lord to fill me with his love and peace and to help me understand his word, the Bible, more. As I stand before you all today, I am confident that I am his, and therefore I have confidence in his ability to keep his promises because of what he has done for me through the cross. I am beyond grateful to have been given the opportunity to obey his calling and baptism today, to bear witness to everyone around me that I am his. It's encouraging to hear these testimonies. What we're going to do now is we're actually going to transition and go downstairs to the basement where we will actually witness all of these candidates be baptized there. So I'm going to just leave us just a transition benediction here before we move down there. And it's from Romans 15, verse 13. And I think it's very fitting in light of what everybody shared. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. That's going to conclude this part of the service, but we're going to move downstairs where our service will continue, and we'll, we'll be having the baptisms in about five to ten minutes. So you are thou dismissed to go downstairs. <laughs>